This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Tuesday, March 14th. The weather forecast, cloudy skies today. You may see a flurry or two. The high will be minus one. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, a car attack in Quebec kills two. Number two, special TTC patrols are coming to an end. Number three, Volkswagen announcing a game-changing manufacturing plant for Ontario. Number four, Flair Airlines suggests that rivals attacked them. And number five, a topless protester raids Avril Lavigne at the Junos. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.08 is the time. It's the 14th of March. Can't think of anything particularly significant about that, but... Maybe Nick Marano, you can do a This Day in History search for us. And well, today's Pi Day, 314. It is Pi Day, yes. And so geeks rejoice. And I shouldn't mock the geeks because one of my friends is a geek and she became an astronaut. So I guess, you know, we, we used to do comedy together and... Um, then she was studying physics and astrophysics, and then she became an astronaut. I don't know if she's ever going to travel into space, because one of the lesser noted aspects of being an astronaut is not everybody gets to actually go to the space station or the moon or anything like that. But still, pretty cool. Uh, you know, she's been through all the training, and um, she's... Uh, done things where like you isolate for two weeks in a strange place with no time and no light. And anyway, uh, so yes, yeah, so happy Pi Day. Then there's the guy from Japan who was an engineer in 2006, recited the most digits of Pi, which is 100,000. Yes. He did it in over 16 hours and the Guinness Book of Records is still, it have yet to acknowledge it as a world record. Oh, that's unfortunate. I, you see, I think I can get pi to like five digits, 3.184, so that's not even five digits. No, and, but then you go to your favorite your pizza head. place today. What's that? You, then you go to your favorite pizza place today and get, you yes. know, special or whatever. All right. Well, enough, Arcana. Uh, let's start digging into the news. We have uh, a man, we don't know if it was deliberate, but certainly listening to some of the evidence from uh, police, it would suggest that uh, it was not just somebody losing control of their vehicle in a town called Amqui in Quebec. Uh, two people killed, nine injured, a pickup truck driving into pedestrians in this town. And if you're wondering where it is, I mean, honestly, this is a really far-flung area. Um, if you know Quebec, the geography of Quebec, I mean, everybody sort of starts in Montreal and works their way out. So you go up to Quebec City, and this place is well, like it's on the border of New Brunswick, as a matter of fact. It is well north of Quebec City and well east of Quebec City. It's a very, very tiny place. And, you know, having been born and raised in Quebec, I've never heard of this town. Um, but... You know, that it makes it no less tragic that a guy 38 years old who lives in the region uh, goes up on the sidewalk, runs down a bunch of people, two dead, nine injured, and then he turned himself in. And at the moment, police have no idea if this was a deliberate act, if it was a motivated act, if, you know, he was trying to make some sort of a statement. Uh, but it does seem to have been something that was not accidental. Let's put it that way. Um, 
I'm not sure what to make of this story today, that additional Toronto police patrols of the TTC are coming to an end. This could actually just be a budgetary issue because apparently it was calling, costing us $1.5 million a month. But you'll remember, we had sort of this two-pronged approach to trying to fight violence on the TTC, and that was to station more Toronto police officers, 80 police officers, um, to be put into the system. And then we hired 50 private security guards and put them into the system. And I would offer that it's probably way too early to figure out whether or not this has had a no noticeable impact. I know they came up with some stats, but I just, I don't even know what to make of these numbers. A uh, statement from the chief says the TTC, no, that's not the section of the report that I wanted to look at. Um, they made more than 314 arrests, including an arrest for a firearm seizure at uh, Pioneer Village subway station. Uh, TTC ridership daily, let's see, the officers engaged with the TTC ridership daily and supported the city and TTC by directly providing more than 220 referrals to individuals needing help in accessing social assistance supports, including shelter, food, and mental health services. Okay, so, I mean, effectively what they're saying is that police officers encountered homeless people and directed them toward resources that would help them. And then you get into the 314 arrests and they did not break those out. But, you know, how many of those were arrests that might have happened under any other circumstances? How many of those actually promoted a new level of order um, in the TTC? We don't know. But I, I find this to be an interesting development and I look forward to our pundits weighing in on it because... You know, we, I guess it was like shock therapy. The idea was we have a level of disorder and violence in the subway system, so we're going to throw a whole bunch of police officers at it. And have we made a permanent change in what regular riders can expect? Or do we just sort of go in and, and you know, do some, some radical action and take care of a few people who are making trouble at that time? Uh, I'm, I've been agnostic. I've told you on many occasions. Um, I've been largely agnostic on whether or not this was a good idea because there are people who are um, very, you know, I mean, people who just don't like the police. So any deployment of police is seen as some sort of a hostile act against the greater population. And I was looking at the subway system, especially subway, but the TDC and thinking something's radically wrong here. I mean, we got to we got to do something because when a woman is murdered at a High Park station, when somebody is attacked with a broken bottle in another station, when two people are pushed onto the tracks in the subway system, there is a level of disorder that must absolutely be addressed. So listen, we're coming up against traffic, and also, moments from now, we're going to hook up with our friends at CP24 to talk about some of the bigger stories of the day. One of the ones I'm very excited about is uh, Volkswagen announcing they're going to build an electric vehicle battery plant in uh, St. Thomas. And, I mean, it's just, it's great employment news, but more than that, this province kind of bet on electric cars a few years ago. 
And I'm not going to credit that to any one government because that's, you know, what the partisans want to do. But all I can say is, obviously, it's paying off, isn't it? Let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore for what Toronto was talking about. Good morning, John. Hope you're well on this Tuesday, March the 14th. Uh, let's start with this. Some disturbing news out of Amki, Quebec. A driver there has been charged with murder after two pedestrians were struck and killed, uh, but also nine others injured, including some children. Yeah, and if people are trying to situate exactly where this place is, I have to say, as a guy who was born and raised in Quebec, I had to look it up. And it's across the river, north and east of Quebec City. It's a very small town. The driver's a 38-year-old man. Nobody knows if there is even a motive or what the motive might have been, if, should there be one. But you're right, two people dead, nine injured after this pickup truck drove into pedestrians. And for Torontonians, you know, it's eerily mm -hmm. reminiscent of the incident on Young Street. Yeah, absolutely, with Alec Manassian. All right, uh, turning to what's happening here in our city, John, it looks like the additional Toronto police patrols on the TTC, that kind of pilot project is ending today. Apparently it was costing $1.5 million to keep them on overtime working on the TTC. And you have to wonder if maybe that's a factor in why this is being suspended, because I think this is happening too early for us to evaluate whether or not it was even effective. But uh, the chief putting out a statement saying that during the period that the, we had this additional supervision, of the TTC, they made more than 314 arrests, and perhaps more importantly, uh, police were able to uh, refer quite a few people who were probably homeless to the services that might get them, you know, you know, might improve their lives and get them out of the TTC. Mm, I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of reaction, you as well, to uh, what people are feeling about the end of this. And uh, some exciting news for St. Thomas, Ontario. Volkswagen is setting up a giant, I forgot the word they used, but gigaplant, EV plant south of London, Ontario. This is expected to create tons of jobs sometime in 2027 or even before that because they have to build this thing first. This is fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is amazing news for the province of Ontario for multiple reasons. I mean, you remember um, the, the distress that we had when auto plants were shutting down and people were losing their jobs. And now all of a sudden, having kind of laid a bet on uh, electric cars, Ontario is cashing in. And it's worth noting, Volkswagen is Europe's largest car manufacturer. And you're right, they're going to St. Thomas, with the, which is just south of London. They're building a battery plant. This will rely on a lot of resources are gonna be mined in Ontario. And the big question for a lot of people I'm thinking is, okay, so if we're gonna build the batteries mm -hmm. here, are we gonna build the cars? Mm, exactly, that would seem to follow suit. And uh, John, we've been following this story. Yesterday, we were reporting that some people's March break plans could be in jeopardy because Flair Airlines uh, had four of their jets kind of be out of service. And now we, we are getting a follow-up. They're now accusing a rival of scheming to take away their planes. What's happening here? Yeah, there's some skullduggery here, isn't there? Uh, the accusation is that another airline, and they're not naming who it was, but there are certain airlines that are fairly combative in Canada. Another airline identified the fact that Flair had failed or was late on a payment for four of its planes, so they flagged it, and then those four planes ended up being sequestered, which has thrown a lot of jeopardy into Flair Airlines' schedule. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, this is going to be a story yet to be told. And one of the big issues with small 
smaller airlines is always if there is some question as to whether or not when you book you're actually going to get the flight then people start hesitating to make the booking so this mm. could be a pretty major attack yeah absolutely all right and is there anything that our toronto maple leafs can't <laughs> do uh or the fans i should say the fans start singing the anthem after a microphone malfunction this of course was in, when the leafs took on the sabers last night Natalie Morris was the singer. Apparently her first mic failed. They gave her a second one. That failed. So the fans stepped up. And this is the American National Anthem. And the fans stepped up and they all together <laughs> sang the anthem. So it's a sweet moment. And as one of my crew was saying this morning, do you think that this would happen in the States? Would they have any idea what the words to Woe Canada are? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they get the lyrics correct or just start humming along to the <laughs> tune. Maybe they don't even know the tune. We'll see. Okay, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Have a great show today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Jennifer Shang over at uh, CP24. And, of course, the great irony of in asking the question as to whether or not Americans could step in and sing the Canadian national anthem, a lot of Canadians kind of murmur along during the anthem because they forget how many stand on guards there are. And then you get into the business. I, I'm kind of a purist. I do the anthem the way that it's done at a lot of national events, which is that you start in French and then you switch over to standing on guard and standing on guard and standing on guard. Uh, and the French lyrics are significantly different. I mean, the English version of the national anthem, because it was composed in French, uh, the English version is not a translation of the French version. It is completely alternative words. And since they keep changing it, it's entirely understandable that Canadians often are like, I don't know, just stand on guard for a while. We're all good. Uh, but that's that's a sweet moment. And we actually have the audio of that. Uh, we'll play it a little later on in the show. Uh, again, you know what? I feel like a, a broken record in some ways. And, you know, anybody under the age of 40 probably doesn't even know what a broken record is. But um, there's a bunch of stuff in the news this morning that we haven't even begun to brush against that we'll get to as the show continues. There's a bit of a personal aspect to the breaking news that we have this morning. You'll hear more about this in just a moment at the 5.30 headlines. But there is a, a fire that happened on Dundonald Street. And as soon as I heard that, I said, wait, whoa. I used to live on Dundonald Street. And so I'm very, very familiar. It's, it's, Dundonald Street is one block long. That's it. It runs between Young and Church. So effectively, I knew pretty well everybody who lived on that street. So we do have a fatal fire this morning on Dundonald Street, and I'm very, very familiar with the house. It's across the street and just a bit to the east of where I used to live in a townhouse. So as I said, I'll allow Ashley to inform you about all of that. There was a bit of an event last night at the Juno Awards for which they're probably grateful. I mean, I was going to talk about the Junos this morning, but we're not going to do a forensic analysis. It's, it's the Juno Awards. I mean, I'm, Nickelback was being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but there was on-stage nudity, and it was all about Ontario politics. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.37 is the time. It's minus 4 degrees. I always lean in on what I call the wiki knowledge of our collective audience, and I'm lucky enough to have a friend who listens from Montreal, Michel St. Cyr, who says that I'm getting the pronunciation of the town where this 
uh, incident happened in Quebec wrong, so it's uh, Amqui, apparently. And what we have is a guy who went up on the sidewalk in a pickup truck and ran down a whole bunch of people. Two people are dead and nine people are injured. And whenever something like this happens, of course, the first question is, you know, why? Because it does not appear that it was somebody losing control of their vehicle and accidentally ending up on the sidewalk. So if he did it deliberately, then why? Uh, I mean, we know that the incident in Toronto, and I'm not going to name the guy because you know my practice, that uh, especially when somebody does something that they hope by killing a bunch of people is going to make them infamous, um, you know, I don't mention their name. Um, but the incident in Toronto was an incel. I am absolutely astonished at the existence of a movement that is dedicated to guys self-identifying as men who can't get women. And I mean, I guess they're so embittered by the whole process. And then you kind of get this, you know, you create a movement, I guess, in order to explain why you can't get this and you need a, you need somebody to blame. So it's the fact that women have been empowered and the fact that women are now independent and able to make their own decisions and therefore they've decided to shun you. Or maybe it's that you are incredibly unattractive and um, socially inappropriate. And so you can't get anything. And maybe you could make an effort at changing your personality and your approach and you could get some action. But anyway, you, you slice it. Um, somehow we ended up with a movement of men who are so angered by the fact that they can't attract the interest of a woman that they kill people. And that's what happened. Now, we have no idea what the motive, if there is one, in, in Quebec was. Uh, former OPP Commissioner Chris Lewis is our public safety analyst. And Nick, you can throw in number 20. He was on News Talk tonight in the wake of all of this um, talking of, you know, offering his analysis effectively as a former commissioner of the OPP. You know, to hit nine, nine others that were injured, he had to have either stayed on that sidewalk or gone up a number of times. So was he deliberately looking for certain people or is he just trying to kill people? It's, it's, we won't know that for some time or maybe never actually. Uh, meanwhile, locally, we have a fire this morning in a house that I'm all too familiar with because I used to live on the block. And it was a rooming house, and an elderly woman has died in a fire. Chief Matthew Pegg was on the scene and gave a statement just uh, a few moments ago and uh, updated everybody. This was at, if you're keeping track, I mean, for me, it's all too relevant because as soon as I, I asked, I called our friends at CP24, I said, what's the actual address? You know, I want to know which house this was. I want to know if it's somebody, you know, one of my, my friends from Dundonald Street. Uh, and it was number 52 Dundonald Street. In the course of their search and rescue operations this morning, they did locate one occupant inside the unit that was involved in fire. Very quickly removed them to the exterior initiated patient care and uh, of course as always transferred that patient care to our colleagues at Toronto Paramedic Services. Unfortunately we have been advised that that uh, that patient has succumbed to their injuries and has been pronounced dead. So obviously there's going to be an investigation to establish the cause of the fire and it's no point speculating at what may have 
happened. Um, I'm going to leave it to our pundits and analysts. And this morning, let's check. Lisa Raitt is on the morning brief. Looking forward to that. Lisa Raitt, it's a lot of fun to have added Lisa Raitt to our team. Uh, She's a former federal cabinet minister, a person with an awful lot of stories to tell and a great deal of success. She currently works for, I think it's CIBC in private practice, which is why, like, she's so good at radio. I was talking to some of our bosses and I said, you guys should offer her something. But I would imagine she's making a whack of money. I mean, if, in the kind, at the kind of profile she has and working for CIBC, she is, you know, I don't even want to name a figure, but I'm sure she is very, very comfortable. So I don't know that we'd ever be able to match that and get her to come to radio. But she's one of those people, and I treasure this particular cohort, who loves talk radio and loves it so much that they want to be on talk radio. And quite a good number of our pundits are like that. They listen all day. They, so when they, they hit the air at 745 on the round table, for example, they've been listening for two hours already. Uh, but Lisa Raid is one of those people, and she is on the morning brief this morning, so looking forward to that. And as I was saying, all this a preface to, I'm going to allow our pundits to offer their insights on Toronto Police Service ending special patrols on the TTC. doesn't mean they're not going to be on the TTC. It just means that these 80 police officers that we threw into the system who were off-duty officers who were being you know, brought back for special duty, um, those people will no longer be patrolling the TTC. And I think it may be a bit premature to have ended this operation, but it's also an expensive operation. And since, you know, we're already spending a whack of money on Toronto Police Service, $1.5 million a month is not scratch. Okay, so I was mentioning as we went into the break why I'm so excited about Volkswagen coming to Ontario. There's a number of angles. Uh, they're, they're building a battery plant. And for the doomsayers, You know, I find there's a great deal of irony to the people who criticize anything to do with electric cars, uh, because there are a lot of people who are very, very upset over the decline of the conventional car building industry in Ontario. And I remember the lamentations when the last, you know, the last most recent plant was closed down, which I think was in Oshawa. And it was like 1800 jobs. And that's not insignificant, but it's also not the end of the world. I mean, if a chicken processing plant in Cambridge shut down and 1,800 jobs were lost, we would report it in the news, but it wouldn't be some sort of an existential crisis in, in, in Ontario employment. So the fact of the matter is that this province bet on electric cars, and they bet that our... Uh, technology, but more importantly, uh, the personnel that we offer, the expertise that our car builders have, uh, the expertise, the tech, you know, the sort of the tech sector, even the intellectual aspects of all of this, we bet on electric cars and we're winning that bet. Uh, But I'll tell you more about it in just a second, because I was talking about the doomsayers and the doomsayers are just people who need to find a reason to hate electric cars, in spite of the fact that by about 2035, probably 80% of the cars on the road will be electric. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 
Okay, we'll get to Avril Lavigne in just a moment, but let's just bat clean up on my thoughts on Volkswagen building an electric vehicle battery plant in southwestern Ontario. This is great news for the Ontario economy. It's going to be new jobs. It's also going to be mining. And to get to the heart of the um, complaint, because I've heard from a few people already this morning, oh, what about all the mining and the damage? Okay, listen, the building of a conventional gasoline-powered car and the running of it for its career is very environmentally damaging. So the fact that there is some environmental impact to the manufacture of batteries for electric cars is not mitigating or canceling. There are a lot of people out there who, for whatever reason, every time somebody pitches something that is green-friendly, they lose their minds. Well, what about the birds who die when you put up a wind turbine. Um, okay, that, that is absolutely true. But what about all of the damage from running a gas plant or a coal plant? Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, you know, I've got a friend at um, Waterloo uh, at uh, whatever the heck that university is. Um, but Would it be University of Waterloo? It might be. Um, but he's a specialist in energy of all kinds. He's the guy that the province of Ontario turns to and they'll say, okay, so we're thinking of moving from coal to gas and then from gas to whatever, anything involving energy, he's a specialist in. And I asked him a short time ago, you know, the talking point is that electric cars are, have a huge footprint and as they call it dust to dust that from the moment they build the car to the moment they junk the car, that electric cars are more environmentally damaging. And he said, actually, it's not true anymore. Um, it's just, it's not that big an issue anymore. And so, you know, whoever wants to crap all over the announcement that Volkswagen is gonna build electric batteries in Ontario, and we're gonna mine the product that goes into those batteries. And one of the lesser known things about car batteries and electric cars is that they are built to outlast the car. So I know that there have been a couple of times, because Pat Foran's talked about this on his consumer report at um, CTV, there's been a couple of times where the battery died on, in a car and it costs a fortune, like it costs like fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 to replace, but it's extraordinarily rare. Under most circumstances, the battery outlives the car. And then what they do is when they junk the car, they take the battery and they install it somewhere where they want to um, store electricity. So for example, you got a solar farm and a solar farm generates electricity when the sun is up. And yet we can't necessarily use that in real time. So the most important thing is to find a way to store it. So you just take all of these batteries and you stack them up and you wire them together and they store the electricity from the solar farm so that when you get home at 6 p.m. on a winter's night and the sun is long gone and you turn on your electric stove, there is going to be energy because it was stored in that battery. But yeah, the... I, I just, I always find it bizarre that people reflexively need to find a way to reject environmentalism when in fact the, the net benefit is good for all of us. But for whatever reason, 
you know, people argue against any and all measures, you know, windmills and hydro. Well, actually, most people don't argue against hydro because it's so practical and it's worked out for us, hasn't it? I mean, you know, Niagara Falls worked out pretty well. Quebec, entirely powered by hydro and then they net export electricity. Okay, so last night at the Juno Awards, a show that most people pay little attention to, and I don't want to undermine the integrity of our Canadian musical artists, but let's face it, I'm, I'm an Academy member at the Junos, and I don't vote because the first time I offered to vote, I didn't recognize 70% of the artists. And so they all, you know, obviously they have a degree of success. They are making art that people enjoy and that enriches our lives. But the Juno Awards, you know, are, are of, of a certain lesser interest, I would say. Anyway, last night, Avril Lavigne is on the stage. And a woman walks on stage, topless, and she's wearing, she is wearing pasties, um, but written on her body, painted on her body, are the slogans, land back and save the green belt, which I'm sure in Edmonton, everyone's like, what the hell? Hip hop and pop records fused with his Punjabi roots Based in Victoria, BC, his music has gained a worldwide audience with sold out shows in Canada, the US. Get the f off. <laughs> Get the f off, bitch. <laughs> he has sold out shows. Okay, so she's, I mean, she's just on stage introducing an artist, and this woman showed up and land back, I'm guessing must be about indigenous lands and save the green belt is, I mean, it's not, it's not even a, well, I guess it's a provincial issue, but it's almost a regional issue. So I don't know what could be more Canadian than bombing Avril Lavigne in Edmonton at the Juno Awards with a campaign that people can't even understand on first first sight. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.